Would you please join me for a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. How many of y'all have ever been to Disneyland? That's pretty good. I think we got 100%. Even you, Luca, you've been to, there you go. Okay, you're so yeah, that's good. You can put your hands down. Best ride at Disneyland is California Screaming, right? That's solid. Really? In Credit Coast, they changed it. So it's different. When I was a kid, we didn't even have California Adventure, so. How about, have you ever been on Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah. How have you ever been on Haunted Mansion? How many of you think Haunted Mansion is real? Yeah. How many of you think uh, Pirates of the Caribbean is real? Yeah. So how do I know you're real? Because you're here. Mrs. Mink didn't just fly you in as like a children's choir from New York City or something. You're real? You get stuff wrong. That's right. And part of living in the real world is dealing with real stuff. Absolutely. Is your grandma in church with you today? Yeah, I know. That's cool. She loves you a lot. I think that's cool. So you, you think about that, right? What, what's real? And when I was a kid, we went to Pirates of the Caribbean. You go in and I thought the fire was real. And I couldn't figure out how in the world that thing could burn over and over and over again and never be consumed. And yeah, and then all of a sudden you get older, right? And it takes a little more to be sneaky and figure it out. I love that about Christmas too. There's, there's that piece of it as well. These guys are still young enough that you can pull a little something over on them, but you got to be a little more sophisticated. It's not like a three-year-old or a two-year-old where you're like, oh, look at that, there's Santa. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's Santa. He lives in the North Pole and Rudolph's the reindeer and all that. Now they're a little more skeptical. They're like, right, that's just, you know, what, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not buying this. And these Santa left cookies, but blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's just a whole different, it's just a whole different thing. We get a little bit more sophisticated and we know what's real, right? What, what's, what's real? And if you turn in your bulletin a little bit, do you guys have bulletins? Can, can you help me a little bit with the sermon today? So in a, in a minute, I'm going to ask you if you can read with me all those gnarly names in Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. And we're going to read through those, through those together. But those are all real people. This is not a made-up story. The, the story of Jesus from Luke chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 1 does, does not start with, in the beginning. Uh, or, or in, a, in a land long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away. It's just not like that. It's rooted in history. It's rooted in what's real. It, it, it's rooted in people and places and times. And the more they dig and the more they look at cartography and the making of maps, when they'd look at places in the Bible and they would say, well, the Bible says we should dig here. Pretty much every time they dig, they find what's put in the Bible. I read a book this summer that said there's more uh, understanding of Jesus and his existence in Palestine at this time than, and, and more witnesses to that than there were witnesses to the death of Adolf Hitler. And it's funny how skeptical people are about Jesus and how accepting they are of breaks in history with other, other people. So real people, real life. All right, are you guys ready? Can we do this together? Let's read together the first three verses of Luke chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Are you with me? How many of you guys really go to St. John's? Good. All right. Let's try this. 
in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. How many third graders said Trachonitis today in the history of the country? Not very many. That's pretty good. No, those are all real people. You've got Tiberius Caesar. He was the Roman emperor. He ran the whole show. If you were to walk into a, a shopping mall in Corinth and they said, hey, uh, tell us a little bit about Tiberius Caesar, they'd say, well, let me tell you authority and power and Roman legions and architectural stuff and all these things. He's a real guy, as was Pontius Pilate. This morning, we're going to confess the uh, Nicene Creed after the sermon. Pontius Pilate lives on in history books everywhere and is made immortal in the Nicene Creed. Pontius Pilate was a real guy. That's a real statue of Pontius Pilate. Maybe he looked like that. Maybe he didn't. But there's no question whether Pontius Pilate was a real, was a real guy. And then you get some really bad people. These two people are bad human beings. Herod Antipas and his brother Herod Philip, they really ruled real places, real time, real dates, real, you know, it's just, they were bad human beings. History records them as bad leaders, as, as, as inhumane to the people they followed them. One of them even had his son-in-law put to death because he was afraid he was going to lose his, his uh thrown to him. I mean, it's just unreal, but they really existed. There's a statue of them right there. See it? Yeah, it's a real deal. And if you didn't want to believe Roman history about what was going on, then maybe you would believe Jewish history because Caiaphas and Annas were the high priests at the time. And you want to talk about meticulously recording history. The Jewish people are the best at it. We're not talking etchings on caves and, and that kind of stuff that's kind of cryptic like Egyptian hieroglyphics. We're talking languages that are still put forward and used today. We're talking about a text from the Old Testament that is as accurate as it was in 500 BC, is as accurate as it is today. And so Jewish history records that Annas and Caiaphas were the high priests at the time of Jesus. And they made good and sure that through all of time that we would know who really were the people and what they really, really did. And there's so much historical stuff documented about that. Real people, real lives, the real thing. Which leads us then to John the Baptist, who is a real guy whose message was simple, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. But John was a crazy man. John was a wild man. John ate locusts and wild honey, the scripture says. John also wore a camel's hair suit. And I don't mean like a camel hair jacket from Nordstrom's, like all, I mean like camel hair. Like if you were to go to Nordstrom's, say like the camel hair jacket, they take you to the men's section and say, Mr. Klinkenberg, you look like you're a 38 athletic cut. And uh, <laughs> not that kind of camel jacket. And his message was so different. John's message wasn't, everything's great, it's all hunky-dory, and real life is wonderful, and there's never any problems or any hiccups. John's 
commentary, his message that brought tax collectors and soldiers and businessmen and people from the community and, and high priests and religious people and unreligious people brought him out to the Jordan River to be baptized. He said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He said, repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the good news. And he was the one who put the flashlight on Jesus. He was the one who was ready to fill in the hills, to fill in the valleys, to level the hills, to straighten out the roads, to make sure that when Jesus came into the world that he was a real guy at a real time in a real place and that people's hearts would be open to the message of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what John wanted was a real change in the hearts of people. And that heart of change was painful for some. The religious people came out to talk to John and they were highly arrogant. Let us tell you how great we are. We're extorting, we're stealing, we're lying, and we're building a little economy for ourselves around this temple and sacrifices and all this stuff. We're creating a pecking order of people who are good, bad, and horrible. And we're the good people and the people who we don't like are horrible. And, and there was this kind of arrogant attitude about the religious people at the time. Really, Caiaphas and Annas, the high priest, kind of drove that. And they had economic power, they had political power, and they had religious influence over the people. And John said, there's a guy coming after me, and that's all going to change. Matter of fact, he said these words. He said in Luke chapter 3, verse 9, the axe is at the root of the tree. All this stuff that you think is real is coming down. Your sacrificial system, your cultural hierarchy, all this thing where you think you're great and everyone else stinks, that's all coming down. And it did. And it came down in a very painful way for the for the Jewish leaders, so much to the point that all of the institutions that were there at that point, a hundred years later, didn't even exist. And that's real, real history. There was a guy named Suetonius. Did you guys study a lot of Suetonius in third grade? Not so much. Suetonius, he was a Roman historian from the second century. No? Well, we'll work on that. I'm a senior pastor. I can do some curriculum review. It'll be good. <laughs> you know what I like best about third grade? They still play. They go outside and they play. They play, remember when you were in second grade and first grade and you played kickball right out over here? It's the longest kickball game in the history of Lutheran education. It's still going on today with kindergartners and first graders. Now you guys are across the street. But I like that they play. And they don't take themselves too seriously. And I always mouth the words of... Uh, the bad coach from Hickory in the movie Hoosiers, fellas, you're going to know this, can't score if you don't shoot. And so I said, get that ball on the rim, shoot the ball, get after it, kick the ball, play hard, have fun. And you'd think it's the Olympics out there at recess. I absolutely love it. It's just fun. It's fun to watch. That doesn't count as my time in the sermon. Suetonius. <laughs> Suetonius is not a, a, along the line of a Jewish historian like a Josephus. Rather, Suetonius was a Roman historian. And in his books and in his recording, he speaks to one named Christus, which is a Romanizing of Christ. A Roman historian who would have had everything to gain by burying the name of Christ, but in an objective way, in the real world, at the real time, there was a guy named Jesus, recorded by Jewish people who killed him, 
recorded by Roman people who had a trial over him and believed on by a man named John the Baptist. So what's real for you? What do you believe? Because what is real for you and what you believe drives the behaviors of your life. And if you believe in Jesus, in the reality of the gospel, in the reality of the message of Jesus Christ, then your life is going to take on a, a whole different flavor and a whole different set of behaviors. If you believe that all of this stuff is real and you hold to it in your heart through faith, then the reality of the promises that Jesus makes are sealed for you. Two of those promises that are so profound at the end of the year the first one is, Jesus is our peace. And if you believe that, and if you hold to that in your heart, there's a marvelous sense of calm that comes over you when the name of Jesus is spoken. And instead of looking like the, the people at the first century would have, well, where do I fit with God? Because there's all these different little titles and themes and places, and the religious people are here, and I'm probably down here. Not with Jesus. With Jesus, there's this marvelous mystery of what he did that really happened he really lived, he really healed people, he really suffered and died, he really rose from the dead. More than 500 people saw him after he rose from the dead. And so when he offers you peace, he seals it not in a fantasy land type ship in Never Never Land. He offers you himself. He offers you hands outstretched on a cross, feet pierced with a nail, a spear in the side, a sacrifice that brings to you and me peace with God. Not that we look and wish upon a star, but that we look at a cross and say in real space, in real time, that's what was given for me. And then there's this idea of the presence of God for us. And at Christmas time, we celebrate that, that God is Emmanuel, God with us. Now, if we hold on to God as kind of this angry guy, God is mad, God is tough, no, 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 no. God is loving and God is kind and God is gracious. It's the difference between going to a, a house where the, the, the head of the house is really gruff and mean, and at Christmas you look at your spouse and you say, you know what, this is going to be a touch and go. You know what a touch and go is? You're going to go in, you're going to touch, hey, it's really great to be here, and then you're going to go. So that you can honestly answer the question, were you there? Well, yeah, we were there at Uncle Fred's house. He's doing great. He's good as ever. We saw him. To which the next question was, how long were you there? And you say, I got a bad cell. I think I'm dropping your call. Not so with God. God with us. Where God is, there is this marvelous, gracious presence of Christ. God with us to love, God with us to forgive, God with us to connect us into the plan of God's salvation. God does not come to bring unrest and cultural ranking about who is more spiritual and who is less spiritual. Where God in Christ is for us, the valleys of life, Isaiah says, are filled in. The crooked roads are made straight, the mountains are mowed down. And when times are chaotic, a little bit like they are now, we don't live in an era of deniability or denial. We live real lives on the real ground, on a real date, at a real time, with a real promise of God's presence with us. And it brings a real sense of relief, a solid place to raise children, a solid 
belief system to, to give comfort and strength in chaotic times. And then, and then John the Baptist leads his hearers farther on. Okay, you guys still with me? Okay, I need you. We're going to go and we're going to read starting at verse 10. A 10 is a 1 and a 0, right? Okay, yeah, you got it? Okay, you with me? Okay, let's read verses 10 all the way to the end. So we're going to read 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Okay, should we do that? You with me? Here we go. What should we do then, the crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Now this slide is my one bad one. I apologize for this slide, but this is exactly the scripture that they, that they read. So Advent in this season calls us to turn away from the things that the students just read, to turn away from selfishness, to share. If you have two jackets, by all means, give one to the one who doesn't have any. If you got extra food, by all means, reach out to somebody else and turn away from greed and the idea that consumption is the real world and that the more we consume, the better off we are because that's not the real world. An extortion, that's a million dollar word. If you have 10 bucks and I can beat you up, then I'll take your 10 bucks and beat you up. That's what extortion is. It's just kind of mean. It's because you're strong. You can take something from somebody weaker than you. John the Baptist says, turn away from those kind of things and be honest people. Don't bear false witness because those are the things that are real. Those are the values that are real in real life. The way real people get along being connected to God is to turn away from selfishness, greed, extortion, and false witness and to turn toward. What's the best thing about Christmas? The Jesus piece. I love that piece. It's huge, isn't it? It's what we've been talking about. It's what you're saying about. What's the best part about Christmas? What? Yeah. You are the best part of Christmas. Absolutely. <laughs> when Jesus got born, huge. You with me on that? What do you think, sweetheart? They're being with your family, right? One more? What do you got? The crazy, the crazy decor. I like those two. So what are they leaning into? That which is warm and real, that which touches the heart, that which is a little bit of mystery to the eyes. So we turn towards Jesus and the Christ child. We turn towards family and loved ones. We turn towards a little bit of mystery in our life. Well, that Jesus thing, how did that all come down? Well, I'm not sure of all the biological details, but this I can tell you. He was a real guy in a real time in a real place that made a real impact. And 2,018 years later, his impact is still felt. Herod is dead and his line is gone. His brother is dead and his line is gone. And Caesar is more known for a salad than he is for being a leader. But Jesus, Jesus has staying power. A real man at a real time in a real place 
who had a real ministry that brought you peace with God and comfort that Christ is near to you. Amen? Amen. Please join me in prayer. Lord, it's good to be together today. You are near to us, not in some weird, nutty Disneyland way, but in a way that makes an impact on our lives. So bless our families as we lean into them and turn towards Christmas. Help us see above and through the, the chaos of parties and school being, you know, stopping for a little while and presents and cards and all the stuff we got to do to get ready for the end of the year. And Give us those little moments, those little breaks where the real stuff of life, of peace and comfort and joy and hope, those pieces that are real and last forever, help us during this season to find glimpses of, this, glimpses of those and to hold on tightly to your promise for us in Jesus. Thanks for the third graders and for their good part in our service today. Bless them, Lord, with the mystery of the season, that they don't have all the answers or have everything figured out, but with the twinkle in their eyes and the joy in their heart, we pray that you would grant them a marvelous, marvelous Christmas. All this we gather in the name of Jesus.